Well, it's that time once again for the show that has no music, no commercials, no jingles, no talent, and no agenda. I'm Adam Curry in the Curry Manor in Guilford. And I'm John C. Dvorak out here in the middle of nowhere, Northern California. <laughs> it is uh, Saturday, Saturday evening. It's really cold here in, uh, in the UK. Um, it's like, it, it, I think it's actually a little bit below zero right now. So uh, how's it out there in California, John? Well, the sun's out, but it's foggy. It's just slightly foggy, and it's actually chilly here too. It's uh, it was I think got as low as thirty five Fahrenheit yesterday uh, last night. Burr. I was just thinking, uh, you know, you called me and you said, "Okay, I'm up. And I'm I'm ready to do the show." And I said, uh, "All right, well, um, I'll call you in a couple minutes. Let me go make a cup of tea." And then you said, "Yeah, I'll go make a cup of tea too." And, I, and as I was making my tea, I was thinking, "Boy, aren't we the the perfect married gay couple?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, little older yeah, guy, sure. younger guy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Making tea. <laughs> uh, all right. So you promised me earlier in the week. Uh, yeah. Wait a minute. Stop. Okay. You know, there's a. Uh, you know, when you did when we call when you called me. By the way, I want to get into a little rant here before we go on and do anything. Are you gonna else. rant on me? And did I do something wrong? No. It's, it's that when you said, "Are you up and about?" And it, it just triggered a thought because uh, you know it's like up and about. Up and about what? You know, where does that term come from? Up and about. It's like, you know, he's out and about, or in Canada, boot. He's out and about. <laughs> well, it, it's kind of a polite way of saying, are you, and a shortcut code for saying, are you ready to, ready to do the show? Yeah, I know, but what is it, where does the about part come from? Where, where does that come into the picture? I mean, where, how does that phrase even evolve? And here's what, it, what, what thought it triggered. Some years ago, I got irked um, listening to Carly Fiorina. Uh, I give a speech, and I noticed other women CEOs started to say this phrase, and it's the phrase that bugs me, and the phrase is by and large, and by and large, da da da, by and large, and I never, I could never tell whether it was by in large or by and large, and what does it mean by and large? So I heard some guy on the TV the other night saying it. Some one of the politicians says, "Well, by and large, blah blah blah." And I'm thinking, by and large, by and large. What? Where does this phrase come from, and why do people use it, and what does it mean, and how, and what is it? Is it by and large? Is it by in large? It just doesn't I can't it, doesn't tell it, you how. Doesn't it come from? Doesn't it come from like old English or something? Does it? Well, and why are we using it? I mean, it's just one of these things. I actually was going to bring it up. I think maybe I mentioned it. On t it's just one of these things that just, when I hear it, I just cringe. I don't know why it, 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 it annoys me so much. It's also probably a phrase that someone is implementing that, you know, just to buy some time while they're thinking about what bullshit they're going to say next. By and large, that's probably true. <laughs> uh, by the way, by and large, um, there's a great uh, um, BBC program called Global Business. It used to be called In Business. Peter Day hosts this. I've seen the show. Uh, I think it's, but it's radio. It's not. Uh, it's not video. Oh, I haven't so, seen it. <laughs> no, 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 I, no. Maybe I'm imagining. I saw it. No, because uh, Peter Day interviewed me about um, podcasting in you know 2005, and uh, you know it's like this. One of these real old-time, you know, trench coat, uh, Nagra-carrying journalists who travels all over the world and interviews. That's a good reference. No one is going to get the Nagra reference, but I did. Uh, thank you. Um, so he has uh, Tony Perkins, as you mentioned, uh, Fiora, who was uh, HP's uh, CEO. Uh, Carly Fiorina. Carly Fiorina, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, she was. So you know that whole scandal uh, uh, and the whole boardroom blow up and tracking right. cell phone records and shit and impersonating yeah. you know, board members. There's big news here. Right. So um, you might want to listen to that. Really good interview. He, he goes pretty in-depth into all that stuff. Is he complimentary by and large? Completely by and large. <laughs> when he's up and about, he by and large is quite complimentary. So you were going to say something before I rudely interrupted you. Well, earlier in the week, you asked me if I'd heard this Podsafe Christmas song. I'm like, and I'm, and I said the same thing I just said before we hit record. Is I mean, if if every day were Christmas, and you're like, no, this thing, that Jonathan Colton, and hey, I don't know. I mean, this has been around for a year apparently. I don't, yeah, I, I don't daughter, know if I've heard way, it. Well, why don't you play it? But my daughter's a huge fan of this guy. Well, he's he, he is does... huge, and he did come from 
uh, I might say, the, the Podsafe music revolution. Well, here's his Podsafe Christmas song. All right, I'm going to give this up. So I've not, I don't think I've, I certainly don't recall seeing a YouTube video, but I have it lined up. You may not hear it through your headphones, but... Can you hear it? Okay, guys, everyone ready to sing the song? Yeah, I'm ready. Great. Now, remember, it's almost Christmas, and nobody has any pod-safe Christmas music, so uh, that's your motivation here. Uh, CC Chapman, you ready? Ready as I'll ever be. And uh, Lena from Jawbone, good to go? Let's do this! And uh, Adam Curry, Skyping in from the helicopter flying somewhere above your golden palace. You all patched in there, Adam? Adam. Adam! Right, I'm right here! We want a <laughs> yeah, I, I do remember this, actually. <laughs> it's what? well done, oh. though. All right, I'm not going to play the whole thing. Well, that, that's, that is pretty funny. You got to kind of see the video because you can't understand all the, all the lyrics and they have it on screen. So, yeah, that's pretty funny. But have you heard so if, I, if Every Day Were Christmas? Uh, I think so, yeah. That's the, uh, you know, that was the... The Podsafe music, uh, We Are the World, where everyone, uh, everyone cut their tracks, you know, uh, at their own home studios, and, uh, and then they put it all together. You know, the, uh, the whole Podsafe thing is like, under, I think it's underappreciated. Um, it's, it's interesting, you know, Ron and I met in, um, in New York with Alan Grubman, do you know who that is? Oh yeah. <laughs> so, um, I you know I I met Alan Grubman once or twice in the uh, in the MTV days. He he absolutely did not remember me. Um, you should explain to the audience who he is. Alan Grubman is the music industry lawyer at the music industry law firm, which was uh, which what is it? Uh, Grubman and Dursky Schindler, I think. Yeah, I know. And basically, these guys have an amazing racket. They negotiate both sides of any deal with the music industry. So if you want to license music from basically their four major labels, then you do that negotiation with uh, Grubman and Dursky Schindler, who also represent the labels. (laughs) <laughs> it's and it, they sit right on the fence and and they basically they sit in the middle and they negotiate on both sides and because of that they've become incredible well they've been incredibly powerful and they represent everybody and everything that moves it's just an amazing it's like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory of money in there and uh, and Alan Grubman is obviously one of the he's like Denny Crane if you ever watched the <laughs> right, everybody, yeah, Denny Crane. <laughs> I'm he, Denny Crane. He's Denny Crane, um, but Ron knows him really well because Ron, when he was going out with Princess Stephanie, and uh, Stephanie, you know, was getting into the record business, and uh, Prince Rainier said, uh, you know, hey man, you know, what is this record business shit about? Then you know, Ron Bloom, being as he is, of course, he said, oh, I'll bring some of the the top guys over, and uh, they'll tell you all about it. <laughs> and so he called up Alan Grubman and said. Uh, you know, I'm going to take you to go see uh, Prince Rainier. So that, of course, is uh, one of those small things that uh, that gets you meetings easily in New York. They remember that shit. That would. Uh, but anyway, you know, the uh, we basically had that conversation about Podsafe Music with those guys, and and everyone everyone knows that the the music and the labels are completely fucked. They have absolutely no desire to try anything new. They just want big check up front from everybody and for everything all the time. And they're just all watching it kind of go down the drain. Quite amazing. So I think you're right. This pod safe thing is, under, is undervalued. Well, I think it'll, it's one of those things that it will gain momentum. It's, it just makes too much sense. It's, it's pretty big already. You know, it's uh, yeah, well. Yeah, I know you've got like a, how much stuff? How many songs do you think that are just on the pod show? Uh, well, I know we have we have like thirty five thousand artists, and you know, God knows how many tracks each artist has has uploaded or label. We've got some pretty big labels on there too, like Orchard. They do huge, huge distribution of independent music. It's good. And Duran Duran just showed up with one track the other day. Hmm. Yeah, you, you remember them, don't you? Uh, from the from the right, when I was a little kid. Yeah. Hey John, today is Super Ship Saturday on National Geographic. 
What does that mean? It's it's uh, the whole day. All they show is super ships, like how they built the Queen Mary two. Oh, that could be actually kind of fun. It's amazing. It really is. That thing is three times as big as um, the QE two, which in turn was twice as big as the Titanic. Yeah, I think the thing's only coming over to the U.S. It's coming over to the U.S. sometime. I think it was over here recently, and then it's, it doesn't visit over here that much, or it's, or it's in New York, or it's supposed to I don't know. I was, was following its... Uh, I wanted to get on board the thing. I think it was in San Francisco for a day. And uh, so I got a hold of the Cunard people, yep. I think, or one yep. of those. Yeah, that's the owner, Cunard, yep. Yeah, I said, you know, I'd like to, you know, I, I'm a journalist, blah, blah, blah. You're trying to scam to oh, a free no, ticket. <laughs> they went on and on with the, you can't come on under any circumstances because your country's homeland security won't allow it. <laughs> they went on and on. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's crazy. I said, even with an escorted tour, I can't get an escorted tour? No, it's against the rules. Ah. Thinking, well, that's great, good for your publicity. Well, the reason why I, I find it hard to believe the reason why you don't see it that often is because they and just because I I watched most of the program before we uh, got on the Skype, uh, they had to make a very important design design decision uh, pretty early on. Uh, in order to make it the size that it was, it had to be wider than the Panama Canal. So it can't actually oh, right. go through the Panama Canal, so it has to go around Cape Horn to do a round-the-world trip, and so that's why it, you know, it does a different route than most. Uh, well, than was originally intended even between... Uh, it just takes longer to complete its whole journey. Hmm. So, no, that's why we don't see it. That makes sense. Yeah, but wow, what an, what an amazing... amazing Are you going to take it over, go over to New York one of these days? You know... Um, I would certainly want to do it. Uh, Patricia is very against uh, cruise ships and ocean liners because when she was 16 and you know her dad had a big band and she by default had to kind of go along and, uh, and she was the singer and she played the marimba, I think. Um, she, you know, they spent months on cruise ships and she really loathes it. <laughs> she has a real a mental block about getting on a cruise ship because she... You know, I don't blame her. She has the idea that she can't get off. She doesn't like that, that thought. You know, I have the same feeling about, you know, they do a lot of events at trade shows. Then they, uh, they every once in a while, somebody comes up with this crazy idea that we're going to do it on a boat. And you're going to get a boat yeah, ride. I mean, I, I the that. only one I, I did one, the last one I did actually when I was writing for Forbes, they uh, take, because I wanted to do this anyway, but Forbes has this yacht, the Highlander, mm. that they like to take. You know, they take their uh, customers out on, you know, the advertisers. And I always wanted to get a ride on, and they, one day they were going to do one of these trips. And so I, I jumped on that, and I spent most of my time talking to the crew because the thing is fully crewed all the time, and it's got like a yeah. chef on board. It's yeah. actually quite oh, nice. Oh, yeah, it's a little little town. And this and the ride that they give these guys is one ride around Manhattan Island. It takes about uh, 45 minutes. No, about an, they take about an hour to do it. Yeah. Anyway, and they zoom around, and then they you know go around the Statue of Liberty, and they come and park the thing back over and whatever wherever it is, and um, that's a lot of. But generally speaking, it's like if you're in, in the media and somebody wants you to uh, go to one of their boat trips, I just refuse to do it because I just like to get in and out of these things. You know, you don't want to be stuck listening to somebody lecturing you on a boat you can't get off of. And, and I've also found that there is always a percentage of people, uh, if you have enough of them, it always pops up, no matter how how big the boat, how slow, there's always a percentage of people who get seasick. <laughs> and, it, and it's like, it's wrong, you know? It's, uh, oh man, I've been on really bad junkets like that. Really, really, really bad, where there were just lots of people seasick. And I mean, seriously. And yeah, you know, still, oh, we'll, we'll be back uh, at shore in three hours. <laughs> people are fucking dying, man. So I Yeah, that is a problem. People I, get seasick. You know, you can, I, I, I don't normally get seasick, but I have gotten seasick a few times. And I'll, I'll tend to get seasick uh, like on a yacht or a boat or anything. If I go up to the front, the really the very front, front, front part of the boat, yeah, uh, you know, where you would normally go, I'm king of the world. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and it's just that bobbing up there, just enough to get. You. And once you, you know, the problem with getting seasick is that if you if you start to get seasick, you panic about it, and then it makes it worse, and then you do get seasick, and it's yeah. like embarrassing. I, I I've never been seasick. I, in fact, I haven't puked in twenty years. I just refuse. I don't do it. Huh? Yeah. 
I'm a non. Let me write that down. Yeah, our whole family is uh, anti-pukage. So talking about um, traveling, <laughs> I was gonna. Puking. I'm trying to make the transition. You just blew it for me. <laughs> so uh, talking about traveling, uh, I understand that your hassles have continued, and you're uh, coming in and out of the country. You were telling me about, and I yeah. think people would be interested in you because you found out new information. Yes, I did. I found out that. Uh, uh, I'm on what's called a lookout list, and this lookout list is automatically, or maybe we would say dynamically generated from something that is relatively new, about a year old, called ATS, the Automatic Targeting System, which is, imagine a Google page rank for a terrorist threat rating. So it, it, it trolls from these just hundreds of databases from federal, state, and, oh yes, tribal level um, from DMV to IRS uh, as a part of the Treasury Enforcement Computer System, uh, which is basically this big black box of information, and the ATS does some kind of SQL query, I guess, and, uh, and, and looks at you know, what, you, what kind of different things popping up. Are there flags put in? Or it could be anything from uh, parking tickets to uh, a tax filing i guess and it and it'll just pop up a flag if it has a rating and that uh for me is uh going to be means automatic secondary screening which is different at each port of entry but apparently this system congress uh, a year ago specifically said that they did not want this system to be to be put in place by homeland security uh so there's if you there's a a link that I have on uh, curry.com and also dailysourcecode.com that goes to an ACLU uh page uh that explains more about that in in some more detail. Uh for a number of reasons one the information will be stored for 40 years 40. <laughs> <laughs> uh two uh it does not it does not uh it it lives outside of the privacy act. So you cannot request to see your record uh, so you can contest anything that's on it. Uh, and so in other words, it could be just a bunch of BS in there and there's nothing you can do about it. Well, uh, I, and this is just what I'm extrapolating from all the information I've, I've received. I believe that, they, that they're literally, it's a one-way system only. So you know, there's, somewhere there's some logic in the middle of all these databases, and then there's the, uh, really the display that the Customs and Border Protection Agency sees. And uh, so my name is entered, and you know it, it gets a couple of different flags from God knows what different things. And, and literally, it, when you look at what's attached to this system, it, it's you know, believe me, I'm in there for something. There's no doubt about it. Or someone could have put something in there about me. But yeah. the but the the middleware kind of doesn't know where it's all coming from. It just assigns a score and then says, "Oh, wait a minute, you should talk to this guy." That's basically it. And I guess there's different levels of, of ratings. And there's no way to drill down to the information and find out where it's coming from. I mean, of course, if, you're, if you built the system, of course, there's a way to. But uh, apparently, there's no way for CBP to do that. Um, and, and there's no way to change it. So they so you walk through the you come into the country, American citizen I might add. You come rolling in and the thing you know, they 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 uh, yeah, yeah. slam so, your uh, no no. So you walk through uh, you, know, you have those glass uh, aisles as it as it were by and large, and, by and large and uh, you know you, so you put down your passport and your landing card and uh, you know so then either he types in your name or swipes the actually it's not a swipe it's a, it's reading an RFID chip which is embedded in all the new passports and uh, and this guy was i could already see he was one of those types of guys cuz he had just sent the people in front of me he said look this is not legible i can't read this this is unacceptable get out of here and go fill in a new one and do it properly you know one of those guys <laughs> so I put on uh, my info. He, he, uh, I think he does. It. Well, you know, some of them are funny. It's okay. And you, and you know, it used to be John before I was on the lookout list. And in fact, pre pre nine eleven, I would have to say, I kind of enjoyed coming up to the border because it was, hey, welcome home. Every single yeah, time they, they to, would they say used that. To say, well, yeah. Right? They used to say, welcome home. Welcome home, Mister Curry. And you know, you feel so good when they said that. I'm just saying it gives me a kind of a, a warm feeling. And so I haven't gotten that for a long time, uh, maybe sporadically, you know, 
Uh, and sometimes they'll recognize me. And, hey, man, MTV guy. You know, how's Martha Quinn? Uh, I'm surprised. I said, so, what, so you actually, they, they get pretty ornery sometimes. What were you out of the country for? You know, or... Well, um, yeah, sometimes they, they usually ask me that. Usually do. But anyway, uh, the guy says, hey, you uh, ever have any problems getting into the country? I said, yeah, like uh, every single time for the past uh, four goes. He said, why would today be any different? <laughs> 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 I said, there you go. And he said, come with me. And so he gets out of his booth. I follow him. He takes me to secondary, which is a different, a second, secondary room with uh, kind of like, you know, like DMV, basically, with chairs and a, and a high desk. And then he hands well, me off. This is not a high desk. I like the high desk. Yeah. That's a nice touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's very authoritative. And But it's still kind of like, uh, you know, there's a... Uh, it's kind of messy. It's grimy, right? It's uh, you know all, all kinds of shit stuck on the wall. Soviet style, right? It's very Soviet style. And then and then you're told to sit down, and uh, you know the guy's uh, bringing up your info, and then he says, "Okay, uh, Adam Curry," and then yep, uh, I get. And there's and there's people there, you know. There's some British couple, and you know all kinds of uh, a real mix. Not you know not specifically what you might expect. Terrorist looking folk. Um. Nah, and, then, and, and then, you know, he just starts to ask me all kinds of questions. And from his questioning, I can tell that he's just probing. He, he, there's, there's nothing specifically that he's looking for. He's just trying to figure out if I stumble over something or if I, if I say something weird. You know, he's, it's very basic interrogation tactics. And, you know, uh, hey, you didn't put the address of your hotel. You just put uh, Palace Hotel. Uh, I said, oh, well, hold on. So I, pick, I pull out my phone and I look at the agenda. So it's uh, 455 Madison. He says, is that a phone? What's the, what's the number? And, you know, so I give him the number. And, you know, he's like, you got a business card? I was prepared for this one. And, you know, so I, yes, well, here it is. You already have a couple. You can add this to your collection. <laughs> but, you know, so he's asking these questions, and he's writing it down with a ballpoint pen on a piece of paper, like, you know, not a form or anything. It's, you know, so right, I, in I other words, this. it goes in the can after yeah, he's done. Exactly. It's, so it's total horseshit. Okay, sit down. All right, so I sit down. And then uh, a little while later, okay. And he's written on my, you know, you can go, and he's written on my boarding card, ENF, which I guess stands for enforcer, whatever. And so I get my bag, which has been twirling around for 30 minutes now, all lonely. Um, and then I, you know, then you still have to go through and hand off your, your landing card slash customs form. And of course, you know, there immediately, you know, it's like, okay, uh, go over to that line behind the glass. And then I get another guy assigned to me, and he goes through exactly the same questions while he's going through my luggage. And I, but I mean, like opening up envelopes, you know, looking at addresses, checking, you know, just the general st- and continuously asking questions. And this first guy was kind of funny. I was sad actually. Um, I mean, he, he he really was getting nowhere with me, and he started to stutter, and it got really really bad. <laughs> and, he, and he and he and he just couldn't ask the questions anymore. And I'm like, oh man. I, I don't want to crack up. This is going to be fucked up. And uh, luckily, he you know he called over one of his colleagues and said, "Yeah, I've I've, I've got to g- g- go over there. You know, you take over the secondary." And uh, and then this guy started asking the same questions, you know, and and then empty out your pockets and and just fishing around for stuff. And then finally, it's like, okay, you can go. So in all, about an hour and a half. Well, that's a waste of time. That's a waste of the government's money, as a matter of fact. But yeah. let's go over this. You said that the last time you went through this process, they weren't going through your bags, or they did some superficial thing. Are they going through your bags more, uh, in, more now? Is that? I, th- I think it depends on because uh, this has happened to me now at three airports it ha- in uh, Chicago. Um, there, uh, you know, I was picked. I was met right at the at the jetway. And uh, but the guy knew me uh, like MTV guy knew me, and so you were met at the jetway. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You mean you're coming off the plane and there's there's guys yes. waiting to grab you? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, absolutely. And and, I, and I could, yeah, no, 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 I could tell that they're waiting for me because they made one of those announcements. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please have your passports out because the uh, uh, TSA uh, will be looking at your passports as you come as you uh, uh, exit the jetway. 
And so I had my passport out, and then, you know, I, I showed it to one of the agents, female agent. And she said, yep, this is one, Curry. <laughs> and then there was another guy, and he <laughs> took my passport. And, and I was like, oh, cool, man. I'm getting, like, VIP treatment. You know, I'm walking through all the lines oh, this is and your shit. first experience then, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm walking through oh, all the so lines. Oh, so you thought you were gay. Oh, that's hilarious. No, this is awesome. And, uh, and then he takes me. He says, he says, go ahead, uh, go, get your, uh, go get your luggage. And so he's asking me questions, you know, but pretty harmless. He, he clearly knew who I was. And, uh, you know, he made his assessment uh, pretty early. And then he said, okay, now you can go. And then he actually, I was in the terminal building. I had passed through the sliding doors. And he said, Adam, 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 uh, dude, I'm sorry, but um, uh, I, uh, I'm required to uh, look through your bag. So you got to come back. And so I went back, you know, like he had, like someone had told him off or something. And so, you know, I had to go back through the doors. And he didn't really do a wholehearted search, but he went through the motions of opening stuff up. And, um, and then it happened uh, twice in uh, San Francisco. And I think it's really the resources because at Liberty Airport in Newark, you know, they, they've got a, a pretty big staff. You know, it's, it's well equipped. San Francisco is much smaller. And, and Chicago, uh, I think, you know, I just got a different, it, that may be, may be really fucked up. But just because the guy knew me, I, I kind of got a, a semi, semi-secondary treatment by and large. By and large. Hmm. So uh, this is an interesting uh, developing story, I have to say. The you, you versus the TSA. Well, and it's well, it's actually Homeland Security. TSA has very little to do with it. Oh, okay, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, TSA has got nothing to do with it. It's it's the Customs and Immigration people. Yeah, it's CBP. Right? So it's Customs and Border uh, Protection Agency. Right. Uh, who are a division of Homeland Security? I wonder what it says on the on the computer screen. You know, I mean, it's like a private. Oh, this guy's you know, rate, rated number three. You get really, take him aside and ask him these yeah. questions. Yeah. I mean, so it's just a standard thing they do with everybody that comes up with that flag. Yeah, I, th- I think um, it's pretty low level because there's no, uh, they're not looking for anything specific. That I know for sure. And, you know, there's no uh, uh, body search. So well, maybe that's coming. <laughs> uh, it, <laughs> oh, joy. Oh, joy. Um, I was going to say, you think you're a smuggler. Maybe uh, you can't be, it can't be a, it can't be a terrorist thing because you know, why it not? It just doesn't make any, please look at yourself. You're a blonde guy. Well, maybe Amsterdam. Maybe it's, I think it's either smuggling. I mean, you lived in Amsterdam for a long time, you know, I'll tell you, know. I'll tell you, um, when I had my old passport, I got a new one uh, maybe uh, a year ago, which could also have something to do with it because my old one certainly didn't have the RFID uh, chip in it, uh, but it had um, all kinds of uh, visa stamps and, uh, and stuck-in paper visas for uh, Kuwait and Iraq. <laughs> that probably didn't help. If they were inputting information based upon that, you know, that's a possibility. Oh, you had a you had a, a a visa to Iraq. Yeah, I I went to Iraq in uh, 2003 for uh, 10 oh. days. Yeah. Oh, there you go. That's the whole thing right there. But it was. But it's that, gotta be it. Maybe. But I don't. But that's not in, That's not on this new passport. Or maybe no, they. But it's maybe, in the system. I bet. Maybe they couldn't track me until then. I don't know. I bet you. Bet you. I bet it's in the system. Could be. Could be. Or maybe just because I keep saying on my show, skull fuck the rotting corpse of the TSA. I mean, could that have anything to do with it? I don't think anybody from the TSA listens to the show. Let me, just about that for one second. So once again, I'm leaving uh, Newark Liberty Airport. And you know, I'm always observing the, and that of course is the TSA. You know, first of all, you have that new clear program, <laughs> which I just can't believe that they're actually trying to get people to freely give away their retinal scan and fingerprints to the government. Fantastic idea. And then you're clear. Uh, and then I look at these idiots, total idiots who are running airport security. And I, you know, literally, I could see these poor saps, these guys who had bought, um, you know, perfume and all kinds of nice gifts for their wives. They're going back home, and they bought them duty free right there at the airport. And you can literally see these women going, "Oh, I'm sorry, no, that's uh, see, that's 110 milliliters. Uh, you can't take that on board, so you're gonna have to, you know, dispose of that here." Like, yeah, they're taking that home with them. And they're, they're just, it's it's why are there no journalists? Signing up to become TSA 
and reporting on it. Because I have to believe these people are the same idiots who were doing airport security 15 years ago before, you know, when, when we were laughing about them then. You know, I don't know where they get these people from, but they're total nincompoops. Well, you know, I think that the, the, I, I actually admire these folks. <laughs> and I want everyone out there to know that. <laughs> I got nothing to do with it. I, I, by the way, I, just, I, I got nothing to do with his commentary. So um, the reason that journalists, you know what I'm thinking? The reason journalists won't do that, and they could, is that they'll end up in Gitmo. <laughs> okay, that's that's a good point. <laughs> that's enough you know, point. Like, give, you know, I mean, there's one guy. There was a thing on PBS or one of the stations recently. Some guy who went around. Some writer. Who, I think he was out of Chicago. I don't know what, where he was out of. I can't remember. But anyway, he was. People out there have probably seen this. Anyway, he went out and he did a kind of an expose on uh, how insecure or unsecured uh, our railway system is when it comes to like shipping hazardous material and how the summit goes right through New York and you can put a bomb on one of these things and blow it up in the middle of the city and you know chlorine gas half the population right so and so he went around I'm sorry anyway he report he went around with this business card and he stuck it all over these things as though they were bombs you know but it weren't and then he wrote it up and then he, he got nothing but hate mail from everybody saying you're just giving the terrorists more ideas and blah 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 like these terrorists you know right. they're under everybody's bed it's right. the communist threat of the 50s right so uh, on that note you know I'll say that indeed if everything was secured and we had this type of even at the minimum level this type of security for all of the threats then i would buy into it that someone's actually trying to protect us and i wouldn't mind airport security if it was done properly you know twice on the way out and the way back and i tried it i've got a bag you've seen this bag that i have right john the bag the rolling bag with everything in it everything in it and it's got transmitters wireless microphones that have hairspray of course um, I've got, uh, you know, tons of wires and extra batteries and all this shit. And this bag never gets opened ever, <laughs> ever. They never open the bag and they'll look at it and they go, nah, nah, and they just, and, and I'm like, I, I certainly have enough shit in there to do something. I'm sure I could MacGyver something together, you know? So I don't know. It just it just makes no sense. It's just, it's just it sounds more like you're being harassed rather than anybody really cares to find anything that's of interest. Well, see, I don't believe that the, the maybe uh, come you come up with an H harass this guy again, and then, then no. they have to give a score saying we want him delayed for at least an hour and a half. I don't think so. I I, I can really see that um, it's 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 a very clear instruction that they really just don't know what to do with me, and I think it's just like you know. Just talk to the guy and, and, and see what's going on. They're not harassing me. They're, I think they're doing their job, and, you know, and they're doing it pretty well. It's just the system is stupid and redundant. You know, I have to answer the same questions three times just to get out of the building. But I don't think it's harassment. Uh, it's just an inefficient system. And you know, if, if there's a reason for me to pop up on the screen, yeah, of course you should ask me. But I think that there should be a way to say, okay, we've talked to the guy. He's clear. You know, let's just check him off, you know? Well, I guess for the next 40 years coming in and out of the USA, <laughs> you're going to be... Uh, you don't want to travel with me. <laughs> no, definitely not. That's <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, so, huh. Yep. Well, whatever the case is, it's, I'm sure it's, we'll get more anecdotes because it's going to get funnier over time. So what, you got anything in the... Anything, uh, un- Anything in the news you've seen that's interesting that yeah. people would... Yeah, um, I think so. Uh, I'm trying to wrap my head around it. Um, you know, the only newspaper I read is the Financial Times, and I thought they, they did a pretty good job of covering this, uh, but I'm still trying to extrapolate it into a, a conversational topic. This move that all the central banks made earlier this week, did you follow that? No. Okay, so I've become interested in central banks ever since I kind of found out that you know, the Federal Reserve was created in 1913 with the power to print the U.S. dollar, but that it's not a, you know, it's as federal as Federal Express, basically, that it's a yeah. commercial entity and commercial banks, you know, like uh, Oppenheimer and, uh, you know, what are the... Yeah, know everybody's in on the deal. Yeah, all, all the, everyone who's in on the deal. Give me another name, another one of those oh yeah names. By and large. Please, help me. 
Uh, anyway, so I've become interested in, in central banking and how they make money and how it works. And a lot of it has to do with the overnight storage of money and how you basically can keep uh, lending out the same capital over and over again. And, um, you know, so, the, so we've, there's a, this credit crunch, this credit crisis has caused um, a big problem in the banking world. And so maybe I should just tell you what happened, uh, I think it was Wednesday, the central banks, uh, for the first time in, I think, known history, all uh, coordinated the same offer to all of the banks around the world at the same time uh, in kind of you know, like a cartel fashion to essentially stabilize the markets. Because I think what's... So you didn't hear about this, John? No. Okay, so I think what I mean, is, here what I am, a writer for Market Watch, and I, I missed this one. I don't know. I probably, you know, I may have heard about it in passing, and I didn't pay much attention to it, but go on. Well, I, I hope I'm explaining it properly but this has just fascinated me you know this this credit crunch and you know how northern rock has been temporarily bailed out by uk taxpayer money 25 billion pounds uh and there's you know anyway so i think what has happened that you know all these banks are basically trading with each other all day and i'm not talking about the stock market i mean i'm talking about stuff like derivatives Um, yeah 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 yeah, well let me just explain a derivative real briefly just the simplest form of swap derivative is where, let's say I have uh, 500,000 pounds uh, sitting in a bank account here and John has a million dollars and I'm looking to uh, uh, spend a million dollars or borrow a million dollars in the States and it's collateral and I'm going to be matched up by a bank, um, someone looking for the equal amount in pounds. And so we don't actually transfer the money, saving all kinds of foreign exchange fees, etc. But we build a you know, we, we sign a contract, uh, essentially. So that's a lot of what this is. And I think that all these banks have become really um, afraid that no, one's, you know, uh, that no one's really good for the credit. You know, so if there's a time to cash in and say, oh, wait a minute, by the way, I need to call that loan for half a million pounds, that it was based on some shady structured investment vehicles known as, you know, subprime debt. And what the central bank said is they said, you know what, we're going to put up uh, uh, a month long loan, uh, 10 billion, uh, I think, dollars in total. Uh, and we're going to do another one in, in a month after that, another 10 billion. And we'll lend that to any of you guys um, so that you know, you'll have really real guaranteed equity to trade against to continue trading. And of course, None of the bank, and this is the interesting part, none of the banks would you know, be the first to take a loan from the central bank because then it would basically be saying, hey, those guys are in trouble, they need money. So they came up with this brilliant plan of a blind auction where in the auction, no bank can get more than 10% of the total 10 billion being made available. And that's basically, I think, bullshit because probably only 10 banks that really need the money anyway. So everyone's going to get a billion dollars. And it's, it's for a month. And so for a month, trading can resume. And, you know, it, this is a very interesting, I think a very interesting phenomenon that's taking place where, you know, something has shifted so phenomenally that for the first time in history, these, these central banks have, uh, have banded together to stabilize their system, which, in, you know, directly doesn't really affect you or I. You know, they're, they're, they're running their own fucking show. So I'm guessing that during that uh, story that you just told, uh, five to six uh, listeners committed suicide. <laughs> Was it that boring? <laughs> I'm sorry. So, uh... I, <laughs> is, was, yeah. it, was it that boring? I'm sorry. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, I know, because you're a rich guy that has all this money and you have to deal with, uh, you know, its value. No, but uh, what are you talking about? It's, it's about the dollar. It's about, you know, it's about your currency, I your power to buy, I just too. See the whole system, I'm just, look, I just see the whole system is rigged. And I know there's a bunch of weird stuff that goes on in the back rooms. And it's all, you know, there's all for somebody's benefit. Uh, generally speaking, it's the American public does benefit in some long-term sense, you know, at least 
the country seems to be not falling apart completely. Um, but anyway, okay. Well, let me look into it so we can we can maybe discuss this more in detail next week when I'm like fuck more, you. you know, <laughs> fuck you. More. Thanks, John. So that, here's this here's the story that I thought was interesting. <laughs> in contrast to my piece of shit story. Which was, and we have this on the blog, by the way, Dvorak.org slash blog. Uh, Mitt Romney's VC firm to buy Clear Channel. Did you mm. see this story coming no. up? No, I was too busy paying attention to derivatives. I didn't realize that Romney was a, an associate, or I guess one of the guys that runs Bain Capital. Yeah, no, he's a, he's a successful he's, dude when it comes to wealth creation. So they're thinking, it looks like these guys are going to, a couple of these companies, you know, these big, these are these privatization guys, right? These big companies, yeah. KKR being one of the more uh, the, high profile. They're uh, the leverage buyout firms. Yeah. They've been buying stuff left and right all over the place. And So, so their uh, plan is to buy Clear Channel? Yeah. And then what? And then and split it up after Clear Channel basically was a... Well, if you read some of the conspiracy blogs, the reason you do this is so you can start promoting Romney for president. Well, obviously, there's, an, there's a huge issue with the ownership, direct or indirect. There's a huge conflict of interest. That's obvious. I don't think it's a conflict of interest. Where's the conflict of interest? Romney is, wants to be president. He buys some, some yeah, he buys a I'm bunch sorry, of radio aren't, aren't there rules against that? Or, or I, I think all those rules have been put in abeyance years ago. I mean, they let, you know, they were almost going to let one company own every media outlet in one city. I mean, if you, when you had that crazy Powell running the the, F, the um, FCC. Yeah, that's I don't true. know how many. I don't, I don't think there's anything to prevent that. I don't think it's illegal. I saw on television when I was in New York that uh, there's rumors now Bloomberg is going to uh, join the presidential race. His name keeps cropping up, but it, but a lot of times it keeps cropping up as a Democrat. Yeah, as a, <laughs> as a Democrat. Yeah, isn't he a Republican? I don't know. Well, it's what was my understanding? It was maybe I'm wrong, but uh, he, you know, the Democrat race is falling apart. I mean, Hillary is just starting to dwindle, and nobody really wants Obama in there. I think except, I think uh, I think part I think part of this is. Um, it's fatigue, man. It's very hard to to run a campaign for this long. You know, they started know, way, way early. I keep say, that's why I keep telling people that McCain is still in the race as the dark horse because in a long race, if you've been to the track, those horses that are lingering in the back there, they're the ones who come when the, you get around that last tur uh, turn, bam. Just like Ron Paul. You watch. The, the Ron Paul blimp is now flying, John. Well, you know, Ron Paul is is going to be uh, again, you know, based on my conception of everything's rigged. Ron Paul is going to be derailed by the powers that be. They're not going to let him run for president ever. Uh, it's not going to happen. I'm not that. You know, they'll have some dirt on him or something. I mean, they're just waiting. They, there's no, there's no dirt on this guy. <laughs> there's no. You don't think they haven't tried? There's nothing. This guy is is square and boring. Well, they're going to they'll do something to him then. Maybe they'll do what they did. You know, the, the thing that's always kind of fascinated me, and I've never heard any follow-up to this story, and everyone just says, well, the guy was nutty, so what difference does it make? It's not a true story. It's probably bull. Was when Ross Perot ran for president, and he was like, he kept upsetting, you know. I mean, it was one of the reasons Clinton got in, because this guy is a third-party candidate, was changing the, you know, the way it's supposed to work, which is, you know, you got two parties that, you know, swap sides every once in a while, and it's, you don't want to have three parties because the system's not equipped to make it work. So uh, you had to get this guy out. So he he quit the presidential race, I think in his second try he was going to do, and he says it's because he claims that some group or somebody or somebody he's high up in the government threatened wasn't he yeah it was threatened yeah him and his family were threatened in some way by some black ops operation of some sort and that was all just you know it was it kind of floated through the news system and then it came out the other end and he quit and then nobody and there was never any follow-up it was everybody kind of reported it or, or assumed it was like well the guy's nuts yeah but he was you know, he's a he crackpot no he wasn't and you know what i think huckabee is being set up in the same way that could be I, huckabee I really doesn't really have much of 
He's, yeah, Huckabee's he, he, he's not. got no fundraising happening. It's, it's you know he, the Chuck Norris thing, great, very cute, great idea. Um, you saw that, right? Yeah. Um, but otherwise, I I don't know, man. It just feels like a total setup. But with these campaigns being so incredibly long, I think that you're going to see all the 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 the, the press is just going to be looking for stuff that they can turn into nutty. You know, so that's why I like the. The Ron Paul blimp idea, because they'll have nothing. You know, be like, oh, finally something else to report on. God. Yeah, well, that's probably true, and I I do think that the campaign's too long, and I think it is a long race, and that's why I still think that McCain is not out of it, uh, and he seems to be the most relaxed candidate. He doesn't, you know, he's not panicking, you know, which is I think we're we're starting to witness with Hillary, uh, especially. In, I don't know what's going to happen with these these early uh, primaries, but when the first wave of primaries hits of the big wave that happens i guess in february whenever california and all the rest of them do have a big day yeah um you know one of the reasons i think people overlook i've said this before which is one of the reasons they keep changing a lot of these the way this is done is the media itself uh especially in california when we had a late primary we had to move it up because because we weren't getting the media money there's billions of dollars in these campaign coffers, and it goes, and those, and that money goes to the TV stations, and the media outlets, the newspapers, and everybody. And this is all advertising dollars that we don't want to lose. Clear channel. And if you're not important, you know, because the race has already been figured out, and then the primary comes to California, and nobody cares who wins because it's already been won by somebody. All those billions of dollars, none of it comes into our 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 coffers. The whole thing is a, is rigged. Uh, it is, but it's it's just rigged to everybody's advantage. Well, you know, yeah. Well, the thing is, that except for the public in general, we how come we don't get, get any stuff. of that political money spent uh, on podcasting and shit? I, I think they need to to be. I, I don't know. I, I, there's probably uh, there probably is a is a condu- sales conduit that's that's just specializes in this sort of. Ad sales yeah. that we don't have. Uh, we don't have anybody that that knows it. You know, one of the things you run into when you're in publishing or broadcasting or anything like that, uh, the sales groups tend to be. Uh, you know, they they and salespeople move from company to company to company, yeah. and they tend to have uh, the same shared Rolodex. Yeah, uh, so true. if you're true. if you're working in a tech like with that PC magazine, for example, uh, the the. Salespeople at PC Magazine pretty much have the same Rolodex that they've had 20 years ago in the same database. And when you work there, you know, you, you also you can make you your there, copy. You take, yeah, you make a copy. You, you add your couple of contacts in there and you, and you pull out the whole database. And when you go to the next company, you take it with you. But it still tends to be, you know, within uh, kind of a click. If you're in broadcasting, uh, network versus local or whatever, it's the same kind of thing. They have their, you know, the people that they've been selling to over the years, and they obviously won't have the same Intel contact or AMD contact if they even have one in a broadcasting environment than they that they do in a in a magazine publishing environment. Now that said, the contacts involved with getting money from these campaigns, uh, obviously. I, we don't have them. Well, I'll tell you, know, you that who, it, it wouldn't work. Call. It wouldn't work because um, it, I, I know that the producers would just have a really hard time with taking political advertising because you know because it, it's not really a station, right? You know, each show is its own show, even though they're part of the Pod Show Network. And if you get like you know a, a Rudy, Gi- I wouldn't want a Rudy Giuliani ad run, running in front of my show. Well, that's one of the problems. That's probably where you're not going to get one. Now, that said, blogs do get a lot of uh, political ads, and, and a lot of them run through Google AdSense. Yeah. Because I tracked this on the Dvorak.org slash blog, blog, obviously. And every once in a while, in fact, yesterday, I hit the blog, and there's a an ad for Ann Coulter. I'm going, oh, brother. Uh, you can, uh, now, you you can, can block that you now. Can, you can change that, can't yeah, you? Yeah, no, you can block it, but it, if it, 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 usually the only ones I block are the ones that I find really annoying, and they come up a lot. Yeah. If I don't see it again, I probably won't And those are the money care. makers. Those are the money makers, John. But the but the, <laughs> Whack but the, the monkey. early uh, what is the earliest punch the monkey. Ones that, yeah, punch the monkey. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So I got a letter from a kid, let's see if I can find it, who told me, because I was writing or complaining about uh, Woot, 
you know, the yeah, word. Yeah, you know, I, I heard you. I heard you talking yeah, about the kids. That. The kid. The it's, anyway, the part of the letter I didn't read. He says, is, you know, this is, this is a young guy. Obviously, he says it's not punch the monkey. It's slap the monkey. No, it's punch the monkey. I know, but he doesn't realize that, and he thought it was a reference to you know. You oh, know, Peter Gabriel. I don't know. <laughs> Shock <Maybe>. the monkey. <laughs> Uh, whatever the case was, it, I just thought it was amusing. But anyway, the first political ad I saw on the blog ever was the uh, McCain ads. They came out right away. And now I'm just hitting the blog, and there is a Bromney in 2008 ad. Really? And it's got a take... Take a, and it's got a big picture of Romney, who looks a little too much like Treat Williams for my taste. You know, who always plays, who's the actor, always plays the good-looking evil guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 I hear you. You know, I always thought Treat Williams, Treat Williams is getting a little old now, but, but in his heyday, he was never, he was always underutilized because he played a terrific evil businessman. I mean, it was like, it was worth watching him. Because uh, he'd always get the girl and he was just a bad person. And uh, but the Romney has that same look, which is just slightly, slightly creepy. It probably doesn't matter who wins anyway. They're not running the show. Well, uh, the, yeah, the probably, guy, uh, it's a system. The guy, the guys with the boring story, they're running the show. Anyway, so anything else? No, man, we've way not that we've depressed the users. I mean, our, our listeners yeah. <laughs> are like all going, God, what is with these two jerks? Okay, the, the, all right, I'll just say I'm actually very vibrant and full of life today. After I, I look at the calendar, I had not flown for two months. And even though it's not great weather uh, today in the UK, I went out to the airfield, uh, you know, walked around the plane, you know, did all the little, you know, like you have to counter turn the, the prop seven times to get some oil into the cylinders if it's been standing still a long time and then you get in you turn the key and it boom, comes to life immediately and i just flew down to the south coast and back and i can, it's hard to explain but that really makes me feel alive okay how about you <laughs> uh, i just got up a little while ago and i was <laughs> i got up a little while ago you're just up and about i was by I'm and up large and about by and large <laughs> All right, John. I don't know. I, you know I'm going to go shopping. I think I'm going to do some Christmas shopping. Oh, I haven't even started. That's this week. I'm going to do Christmas shopping. I did get a good bottle of, uh, of a quality vinegar that they were uh, selling at a closeout price yesterday. I, f I felt real good about that. Oh, I'm so happy for you. You know, and then what I always like to do is get a good white wine vinegar. I make my own vinegar, too, but I don't usually, uh, what I, with the stuff that's commercial, I'll buy a good white wine vinegar, and then you buy a, 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 a bunch of tarragon. And then you take half of it, if it's a big enough bunch, and you shove it in the vinegar, and you just leave it in there for about three to six months, and then you use that vinegar, and it's an outstanding product. Ah, another culinary tip from John C. Dvorak. Make your own tarragon vinegar, folks. You've got to see probably, these. Uh, you've got to see these uh, one-minute holiday tips. The barefoot doctor has done. I, I don't know if they're up yet. We got this guy, this like healing Chinese yeah, martial you know, arts that, guy. That, We'll talk about this later, but that gave me the idea that I think I'm going to do a one-minute computer tips for Pod Show. That's a good idea. And they're going to, but there's going to be a hundred of them. Yeah, exactly. The exactly. John's hundred tips, but then so, we're going to start that probably in a couple of weeks. That's a that's a really good idea, and I like it. And this is what we did with Barefoot Doctor. So for the holiday season, um, I'll find a, I'll find a, I don't know if they're up yet. They're, I just approved them, so I don't know if they got up yet. Or if it's going up Monday. Uh, but he has like a one-minute tip for the hangover, you know, how to prepare for a night of drinking, all kinds of really useful stuff. <laughs> it sounds like he's got some sort of uh, narrow-minded approach. Uh, it's just about drinking. Now, I, by the way, anybody Dude, out there who has this is, a really cool... We're in Britain, okay? It's all about drinking. Yeah, they, if it was all about drinking, why did they close the pub so early? No, 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 they changed that law, man. It's now uh, you can stay open 24 hours a day. They changed that uh, over a year ago. Really? Yeah, you didn't know that? No. Yeah. I haven't yeah. been there for over a year. I don't go there because I can't afford it. Yeah, it's not, it's not that they all do, but um, they're allowed to. And so now their place is open, uh, God, it seems like 24 hours. Huh. Well, that's good news, I guess, for all the alcoholics. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, anybody with a good computer tip that they think should be relayed, it could be given away in a uh, one-minute bit, uh, send me an email at john at dvorak.org, and I'll, uh, I'll use the tip and give you a plug. 
Yeehaw. I need 100 of them. I Yeehaw. got about 50 so far, but I need another 50. And are you doing uh, Mac and Windows and Linux as well? Uh, not to mention it, no, but I could. I could do The thing is I don't want to, you know, get turn the audience off with a bunch of Mac tips. The Mac really doesn't need a lot of tips. It, it's kind of self-sufficient. You know, it's the PC that needs it. And it's not just about computers. I mean, it's going to be tech tips, too. I got, a, I got a hot Mac tip for you. Yeah? So, and this will be quite rewarding for people who have sat through 54 minutes of this kvetch. Um, yeah, I had dinner uh, the other night in New York with someone who absolutely knows what goes on inside Apple, who doesn't work for Apple anymore, but has been there for a long, long time. Uh, dating back to the Newton days. And, you know, they're talking about a new Mac coming out, something, you know, thin or whatever. Um, uh, ultralight. He says it is uh, pen-based. Oh, well, that's no good. And the reason why, he says, is because Apple has a, a certain patent over, uh, I think he said write anywhere. I, I guess it's so that wherever you write, it, it, it you know, it doesn't drop down to a like a pre-fixed line that the writing has to go on to. I'm not quite sure what it meant, but he was telling me about some patent that Apple had, had since the Newton days. Um, and and that was the reason why no one had done it right yet. But now that Apple had you know implemented multi-touch and they still have the the light pen. Do you recall that? Yeah. Um he says that, that that's what they're going to be doing next is something pen based, uh, you know, more tablet size, not not full computer size. Hmm. Well, we'll see. Hey, by the way, you mentioned that they're going to go after Huckabee, so I'm I just hit the blog just to finish the show. But then there's a post somebody just put up, one of my bloggers, McCullough. Huckabee's, and here's the headline. So this is kind of an indicator. Huckabee, you don't have to know any more than this than the headline. Huckabee's theology degree? Not exactly. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, it's all over. So we'll see. Who's, who's, that anyway. guy, who's that guy from the cage match? Does he work for you? The Bubba? Yeah, Bubba. What's, what's his deal? Uh, Bubba is a, uh, he, he's uh, one of these guys. He's another one of these, most of these guys that I have working here. <laughs> Not all of them, but, but a good number of them are kind of retired uh, geezers. Okay. And um, really, I thought. Yeah, here so I was they, thinking you they, had all kinds of young kids who were following. There's a couple of guys that are that are young, but generally speaking, they're either retired or they're early retired. A lot of them got you know they're kind of independently wealthy, or they're just. Ladies and gentlemen, a rare look inside the Dvorak Empire as we lift the curtain, <laughs> so, yeah. the veil of Dvorak.org/blog. It's old so geezers. So they seem to be, they have a lot of time on their hands, a few of them. And uh, so they, uh, and they're always surfing the web because there's like, you know, that's a lot of people do that. Yeah. And they have this same libertarian, you know, perspective. We always, all of us have the same basic libertarian perspective, although we don't have the same. And these are just guys you met throughout the years through email and stuff. And, and then you said, hey, you know, I'll, I'll maintain well, some stuff on your blog. And is that how it, it works? It, it, it started with a guy who's, who's, I I think Ed's about uh, 68. I don't know. I could be wrong. But anyway, this well, it started when I started the blog like four years ago. And I get these guys say, I like your blog, and you should you check this out. And you know, check that out. Look at this post. And then I would be getting ideas for posts. And every once in a while, somebody would come along, and every one of their ideas was exactly what I would be posting if I had found it. Right. So it was like a self-selecting group. I have there's other people that do this, but they're they're spotty. You know, they hit one and the other one's kind of oh I don't know I can't do that. But there's a couple of guys that were just hitting the exact right post. I said, would you like to just do this post without going through me? Just do it yourself. Right. And they said yeah. And you know I was thinking well they probably don't want to. And every one of them said yeah absolutely. So I just gave them a, the administrative you know a key so, and so, said so here. Is, is there a do you have a moderator set up though? Is there a flow or does everyone just post? freely and you don't check anything do you ever remove anything nope it's all free form it's we don't I, you know that would be work adam we're trying to avoid that <laughs> that's very so, interesting because i've always wondered about that and so th they probably don't even get paid at all actually they get a christmas bonus every year oh that's nice based, based, based on the 
on the Google ads. Google ads, right, 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 right. And, you know, what it costs to keep the blog running. But anyway, so, yeah, uh, and I haven't sent that out yet this year, but I'm going to do it this week, I think. But anyway, the thing is, it was self-selecting, and then Bubba came along, and Bubba was, uh, the mo- he was really anxious to do a lot and he was but he was like he was he was too much he was really way anxious and so i said well you know that what really needs beefing up if you want to do a lot of work is the cage match which is this other form it's a bbs type thing and so i just gave i just said here go, go do what you want to do there i just kind of gave it to him because it, it's actually run by him and a, and a woman named Catherine, uh and she is the one who set it up and she's kind of the techie and she, you know, found the right bulletin board software, and she did all that stuff. And then I just gave it over to Bubba, who's also got his little couple of minions that he's kind of working with. And so that's kind of an independent thing that competes with the the other site. The network anyway, that, the, the whole- that Dvorak created, created spreads far and wide across the universe of like-minded people. It's the it's the uh, Tom Sawyer approach to so like. Have you, know, have the, you met any of these any of these folks personally? Not in person, except Catherine. I've known her for years. She used to be at PR and at IBM, and. Oh. And, uh, so you don't have like a, a Dvorak.org slash fan day and you all get together and have drinks and talk about the blog? We're going to probably, one of these days, you know, when, <laughs> when a couple cool. other schemes work out cool. and after the pod show company goes public. <laughs> yeah, I after, will, after we're uh, rich beyond our wildest dreams. <laughs> I'll put a meeting together. <laughs> Dream on. <laughs> You're going to be working your sorry ass off for a long time, brother. Well, we'll see. So we'll hopefully... Uh, Something good will come of it. Anyway, so that's kind of the story. This, you know, it's it's, it's the way it is. And so it's, I, I try to set that up so it's automated. So I'm not spending a lot of time on it myself. And we all, everybody that does it, also does the the, the comment moderation. So everybody, when you have, if you happen to be on the blog, you check the comments. And right, right, right. Kill a few, and so that it works out. It's kind of a, it's a, like a, it's like a, it's like a Wikipedia team. Well, you, well, you know, know what like it is? It's very similar. Volunteers. It's very similar to the daily source code. You know, people are sending in bits. They contribute. You know, I can almost always count on. Um, you know, Jersey Todd to do uh, send in songs for Friday, and you, you do collect kind of a, a a core, what I call savants of people around you who just contribute to your little media thing, and it's, it's it, it is really quite awesome. Yeah, no, people like to like to people do like to get involved if they're with like minded people and they're having fun and they and it's some, you know, what I give these guys, you know, is because a lot of them do have their own blogs is I give them more exposure because their blogs, you know, like a typical blog is get, you know, if you get. 30 or 40 visitors a day, that's like a lot. And yeah. I get 30,000 a day. And, you know, it makes a kind of a difference to nice. you, know, you get a little, nice. you know, so you get more. Uh, the comments are more interesting, and the, you know, there's like cadres of commenters, and you know, so it's so they. I think everybody appreciates the the for you know the fact that it's a good platform, fantastic platform. So man, you must be doing okay with those Google ads. You're probably doing like fifty to hundred bucks a day. <laughs> no, really? Google ads are like overrated. You, I mean, if really? you can make, yeah, you make about. If you have a million page views, I'm guessing, generally speaking, you have about you a million a, a month, right? No, yeah, right. You get about a thousand a month for about a million page views. That's how low the numbers are for Google Ads. Jeez, Louise. I mean, it's the only reason you run them is because Google has to look at your site more, and then you so you get indexed a little better. But uh, you know, it's it's if somebody comes along with a better scheme than Google Ads, I mean, everyone will jump to it because although I, most people, if you talk to them about what they make on Google Ads, they lie. Because everyone's embarrassed, because the numbers are so low for for Google Ads, they're yeah. so low that everybody's humiliated by them, and they think, well, it just must be me that they're so low. So they'll lie to you and tell you, you know, I'm getting five thousand yeah. dollars a month. You yeah, know, bullshit. That's that's why I'm convinced this sellertainment stuff we're doing, like with GoDaddy and with the Nokia headsets, and uh, and we're doing this uh, this Sony headsets, Nokia, and this. No, no I'm sorry, it's Nokia. Now I'm confused. We're not doing Sony. Sony's not sellertainment. Uh, I think, oh, okay, uh, but we do have Sony uh, as one of our Vitam- Vitamin Shop, I think, is uh, is going to be one. So, you know, just like GoDaddy, I mean, there are people who are going to make, like, 300 grand next year. And, you know, they don't have a big audience, but, it, again, it's one of these audiences, you know, they do promos and contests and, you know, because you, you, every single time, you know, you, you sign up a new customer, they get, like, a, a real, it's like QVC. It's like fucking QVC, and I really think it's a future. I mean, I could sell cars. I know I've sold cars, you know, 
Hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. It it really it really could be a new that really could be the answer for independent, you know, media, where you know you just yeah, just ride along with whatever. I mean, I'm, you can basically you can put anything up for sale. I do I test this stuff with Amazon religiously, and yeah, you know, I'm selling all kinds of stuff. Not that no, it's, not that it's a lot of money, but you know, it, it, to someone else it would be a lot of money probably. Well, one of these days I'm going to bump the Google ads and start selling stuff on the blog, and that will change the the, the financing. But uh, for now, the Google ads are there, and I, I actually learn a lot from them because I can see what what's going through. Because we have an eclectic blog. I mean, it's got you know all kinds of weird stuff on it. Yeah. And so it's interesting to see what kind of ads come up. You know, because they're trying. You know, they analyze the 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 information, and then they throw up an ad that somehow. You know that's why I think the Huckabee thing's up right now with the Romney ad. Yeah, here, I, I so. get I get all kinds of curry stuff, which is what I want basically. Well, there you have it. Anyway, so I think that's it for this week, don't you think? Uh, I don't know. Is anyone still out there? <laughs> I think I think the suicide rate's gone up to ten. <laughs> so we'll have to watch the numbers on the show. Either people are going to love the, the longer format, or they're just going to have shot themselves. Well, you know, I think it's a, it, the format is a variable anyway. We're trying to keep it at a half an hour. I don't know how we got carried away. I think well, you're you, talking it because yeah, you're you, all jacked up about that plane ride. Should I should I, uh, should I edit out the whole thing about the banking system? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> People know how to fast forward, don't they? Isn't isn't that the whole point? No, that they're going to listen to it. That's what's going, and they're going to be listening, waiting for the punchline, and then they're going to be sorely disappointed. I think that's great. Does everything have to have a punchline? I think so. Well, could you rewrite that one for me then? <laughs> no, I'm not going to deal with it. I got to go try to even catch up with what you're talking about. You should definitely. I mean, look I do know. Hopefully, we won't get back into another banking discussion in the future. Well. Okay. Okay. I'm I'm just a little more meta at that than you are, John. Oh, absolutely. But that's because you have a, a greater interest in the international banking scheme of things than I do. But I think we all should have in, an interest in that. It's important stuff. That's that's well, that's where we can make some change. Well, then people should go out and read Confessions of an Economic Hitman as soon as they can. I, I think I should go read that. All right, I'll leave you with one then. You definitely need to read next, the new Michael Crichton novel. Next? Yeah. And they, they have What's a, it about? It's uh, about um, DNA and your right to your DNA in the future. Oh, right. And, you know, when, of course, we can solve every problem by just growing a new, new piece. Right. And, uh, and putting it into you and... Uh, it's 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 a very good book, and you can't miss it at the airport because they have a promotion on the stand where they have done um, the same. It has an ape on the front with a barcode, and they have different uh, jackets: of a yellow jacket, a red jacket, a white jacket, a blue jacket, and it's all it's all the same logo. So you can't miss it. It's a great book. Hmm. You like it? I will get it on, on one of your many travels. Okay, still no uh, no word on an Eisenhower book. N- no. No, actually, forgot about it. Actually, I, I mentioned this uh, on uh, on Daily Source Code. I was at so I was obviously at the airport um, in in the UK, and I was looking for an Eisenhower book in the biography section. And the whole section, John, I kid you not, is filled with autobiographies from David Beckham, Victoria Beckham, the Beckhams, the unauthorized Beckhams, uh, Baby Spice, Ginger Spice, um, three guys from Big Brother. I mean, there's not a fucking serious biography to be found anymore. That's your market. All right. We better stop before we kill again. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) All right. Coming to you from the Curry Manor, I'm Adam Curry. And I'm John C. Dvorak in sunny Northern California. And we'll talk to you again next week if you're still alive. The best and the brightest. Served up daily by the sharpest minds in content delivery, pod show and limelight. 